he's never seen me fight live. He, he his news in school on uh, Monday is going to be. I flew to Boston and watched my dad fight in the UFC. Are you going to split your bonus with him if you get it? No, definitely. But he says he's going to split. Um, he's signed up, isn't it? He's already. Yeah, Paul's really nice like that. You know, he doesn't need the money. In fair, he just jacked up him walking on. The chap's loud. dream is to be world champion, world lightweight champion in the UFC, have more money than I know what to do with, and have a great life for my, my kids, my grandkids, everyone in my, in my family, everyone that's, that's come up with me. That's my dream. Episode 19 of the Severe MMA podcast is officially here. Two o'clock here on a beautiful sunny afternoon in Dundalk. Sean, we're finally getting to leave in certain weather. We are. I'm boiled to death again here as I am most weeks, but uh, yeah, it's, it's nice to get it. Barbecue weather, isn't it? Barbecue. Uh, I'm not. I'm not a big fan of barbecues. I have really? to say. I like them though. Because I think my house is. Uh, we don't exactly have a back garden. It's like my house is in. It has a garden that goes all the way around it. If that makes sense. Yeah. But it's also in the middle of town, so we're hidden as well. We don't have a definitive garden where we could put a a barbecue. Yeah, we're so, kind of the same. Although we we used to have more room out the back, but we kind of we built a shed there, and so so we don't have much room now. But it's all I still like to have it. Just get out and have a few beers there and a few sausages and a bit of well-cooked steak, burnt to crisp steak. Burnt to a crisp, yeah. All is beautiful. One of my uh, worst things that I said when I was younger, we got one of them, you know the way you can buy disposable barbecues? Yeah. And I've already noticed myself do it already twice. So if anyone is listening to this and is wondering what's wrong with me, the right-hand side of my face is completely numb. I was just at the dentist for the second week in a row. And it feels very, very weird to even be talking. So uh, apologies if you're one of those people that has picked up on it already. But uh, I asked my mates, could you do an egg on a barbecue? And they just looked at me like, you are genuinely an idiot. And I, I couldn't realise why there was... I was like, could you not just crack it? And then I realised, oh, wait, no. It would slip through everything. Yeah, if you've got a hot bed or something, maybe. You I, I just don't think it uh, it wouldn't even be worth trying to do in any I, way, shape, or form. I could do it if you've got a half plate. It'd be handy enough to do it, like. Guys. Okay. So it's, it's not the worst. I've heard worse ideas. Like, it was a stupid idea, but I've heard stupider. Uh, well, it's it's the day that Team, <laughs> team Severe MMA are going to be. Um, we're all out in the sun because Peter Carroll has fucked off to the beach today. That prick is always away. He's, uh, he's always sunning himself. Actually, that fella. I have a question for you, and this can open up to our listeners as well. What? What's your opinion on men doing sunbeds? Uh, a big no, no. All of my mates are doing them at the minute. What? You yeah. need new mates, I think. What? <laughs> you need new mates. Get rid of all well, them. Two, two of them are doing them currently, Fuck's and it. one of them has done them before, and uh, then I have a few other friends that have been doing them regularly. Now, I uh, I tan very easily. Yeah. Caramel skin, like. Don't tell me you've done a sunbed. Have you? I haven't done a sunbed, but it's. I need. We're doing this podcast, and then I'm absolutely running outside. That's okay. Because I need to. I, I'm. I'm falling behind here, and I. I don't want to hand over my man card and actually do a sunbed, but seeing all of them boys just walking out of a shop with a lovely tan, and I'm here struggling in the garden. I'd rather walk around like Seamus and fucking get a suntan, sunbed. Fuck that. They use they use it today, lads. What the fuck is wrong with them? I'd be driven out of fucking Ireland if I got it sometime in my day. Would you? Yeah. Then again, I suppose they are very, very, very dangerous as well. Yeah. Aren't they? I think so. The sunbeds? I, uh, yeah, sunbeds. Yeah, they are. If you do them 
I'd say if you do the monster twice, you'd be grand like like anything else. But so you're you, giving me permission to do the monster twice? No, uh, well, it, for women and stuff, it's okay for women now. Women <laughs> stuff for their win. Equality, Sean. We just had a fucking oh, referendum. Ah, uh, yeah, but Jesus, you you have to keep a bit of manlyhood as well. Manlyhood is that even a word? Manliness. Manliness, yeah. You have to keep a bit of that as well. Well, I'm not gonna tell you even if I do one in the future. Yeah, that, just that, already... that's better off for both of us. Yeah. I've just set myself up nicely there because I can't be accused of it because I already told you that I I, I caramelize in the sun anyway. There's no way you'd be able to stop yourself taking a snapchat from the sunbed if you get a sunbed. Oh yeah, no, I wouldn't do that. Why would it then? People would know. Yeah, but in the court, you wouldn't be able to stop yourself. No way. I had an active Snapchat story this week. I have you, to say. In fairness, I saw. Anyway. <laughs> I also went to the Gaslight Anthem at the weekend. I know you're not a fan of them or you don't even know them or you don't like them, but they were oh. fucking brilliant. If anyone of the podcast is a fan of the Gaslight Anthem, let me know. Anyway, last weekend, Dan Henderson proved that he can get out of his chair for a night's work and still be considered one of the greatest humans alive. Um, yeah. He can still Mr. America. He pr- yeah, in fairness, he is. He's, he's all about America. America. <laughs> He proves he can still throw his right hand. I don't think anyone denied that he could do that. Everyone kind of knew he could do it, but it, it was kind of it was a bittersweet kind of a moment because I, I tweeted just before the fight, and I think I said it in the podcast last week. It'd be great if it ended like an early um, submission or something, or just something where anyone didn't get hurt. Although Tim Watch isn't too bad. Tim Watch is, is young enough. He well, <laughs> young enough compared to Dan Henderson. He's young anyway, but. This is a, it's kind of bittersweet for Dan because the win kind of gives him more ammunition to come back and, and fight another day. And uh, maybe if he'd lost, he might have been more weary about uh, fighting again. He might have retired. But, um, no. He probably wouldn't. Yeah, he actually probably wouldn't. But the thing about this is, I said it right after the fight, that, and I said it before the fight as well, that the only way Dan Henderson could win is if Tim Boat walked straight onto one of his right hands. And that is exactly what Tim Boach did. Tim Boach must be a fan of the podcast. <laughs> he must, yeah, he must. But, like, when you're fighting Dan Henderson, right, what you should do is get light on your feet, circle away, circle away from his power, or else try to get in, get inside and take him down. What you do not do is <laughs> let Dan Henderson back up and chase him around the cage, throwing hooks. Just why would you do that? And like it was, it was, it was really stupid because, it, and it really brought it out to me because it was twenty eight seconds of a fight, and I had to write a review on it, so I had to write like four hundred words on twenty eight seconds of a fight. So I broke it down like as much as I fucking possibly could. He took one step forward. <laughs> if you if you read followed the, with his left foot. <laughs> I seen Graham the review before I I put it up, and he was like. This sounds like the fight went like eight minutes. <laughs> it was so long, and it went twenty-eight seconds. But uh, yeah, Tim Boch, I couldn't believe it. Like Dan Henderson, it was the only way he could win that fight. Is by if Tim Boch, and if that had happened maybe in the second round or the third round, it would have been okay because Dan Henderson, the power would have been gone out of him, he would have been tired. He probably wouldn't have even thrown that shot. But Boch just. Uh, I don't know. I have no idea why he did it. And the small cage didn't help either. There was a lot of talk about that at the weekend. Small uh, cage equals finishes. It does, yeah. And we, we actually got a question about that later on, so we, we'll talk about that later. But, um, yeah, it, it gives more life to Henderson, and it's it's a bit unfortunate because you don't want... Like, we spoke about it last week. We probably spoke about it before his last fight. That You don't really want to see that Henderson fighting anymore like at his age because the next person who he fights is not going to take... 
the same approach to this as Tim Borch did. Like, they're talking about putting him in against Bisping. Like, I don't think Bisping will make the same mistake he made the last time. And Dan Henderson's not on the TRT this time. Like, you Was Dan Henderson on TRT in 2010? He was, yeah. I think he was on a long time before that. Uh, there was lads um, having a debate about it on, on uh, Twitter. I think he was on it for a good few years before that, even two or three years. But, uh, yeah, I... Like, I you really that. need to change his Wikipedia picture as well. What is it? Well, it's like Dan Henderson in his 20s, by the look of it. Maybe 30s. Oh, yeah, I see him. Uh, I'd say early... You wouldn't know what Dan Henderson is. I'd say early 30s, maybe. But I reckon if Bisping fought him now, I could see Bisping doing like what he did to Kung lead him. Just, like, outspeeding him totally, landing a shitload of shots at him. Like, the output Bisping had put on him now would be a bit scary because Dan Henderson has gone so slow. Like, Tim, Tim Boch was kind of a guy he isn't fast anyway and like Henderson would have had a bit of a chance against him but when he walked straight through him he, he just gave him exactly what he wanted but I don't think Bisping would do that now um, what did you think of Henderson you were, you were right actually I'm just looking at it here he was prescribed testosterone replacement therapy after being diagnosed with low testosterone levels in 2007 yeah. so he was on it for quite a while um, like you're saying there what he goes on is definitely the thing that I'm most interested in a lot of people at the weekend were saying you know after the way Mark Munoz went out recently that yeah. maybe Dan Henderson would see that and maybe think oh well I'm after finally getting one more knockout maybe it's time to hang it up on that but the Bisbing fight is something that could headline UFC Dublin later on in this year yeah. or an EMEA event similar to that is like that is the type of fight I know Bisbing's fighting uh Glasgow anyway but a win in that I think a lot of people want to see that fight again yeah I, I think Dan Henderson I think from what Ryan was saying and I think maybe Chael Sonna might have said it um, Dan Henderson doesn't want to fight Bisping again he said like why would he give him a rematch when he knocked him out so badly in the first time and yeah like, it'd be great for us and I think a lot of the media and a lot of the fans would be up for that rematch think it's a good fight but Dan Henderson kind of he thinks differently than everyone else. I suppose when you're with someone in his position, you kind of have to. But yeah, I don't know. But Dan Henderson has like for everyone talking about him as much. He's only if you want to say, oh, Dan Henderson shouldn't be fighting anymore. Dan Henderson shouldn't be fighting anymore. The people that he's lost to since he's come back to the UFC, a couple of the best fighters, with the exception of Gegard Mousasi, that the UFC have had in their divisions: Daniel Cormier, Vitor Belfort, <coughs> Rashad Evans, Leota Machida. He it, dropped it, decisions to Rashad and Lyoto. Yeah, it's true, so, but do you want to see Dan Henderson fighting against the lower-level guys, or do you want him to fight against them? Like, does he want to be fighting against the lower-level guys? I don't think he does. I want to see Dan Henderson fight Vitor Belfort again. Jeez, Both of them off the juice. Vitor absolutely annihilated him. I think Dan would take it this time around. That'd be a bit depressing, like, he's just seen his own. Yeah, it, like, at the same time, don't get me wrong, it's like watching a legends football match or something like that remember that thing that used to be on sky years ago with the indoor football yeah and it was like football legends and it was just like what are you doing lads yeah have nothing have you not got golf to be playing or gardening to do <laughs> or something like that i don't know but if we're going further down the card to another man that looks like he was just created as the first character in a video game ben rothwell stunningly called out kane velasquez <laughs> he did did you see he's laughing yeah. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, 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 oh. oh god, it was just the it was the horse. 
thing ever. Like, <laughs> is there something wrong with Ben Rothwell? There is. There has to be. He's just so stupid. Like, he was fucking hilarious. Uh, I don't know. He might as well, like, he, he's just trying so hard to be like Chel Sonnen or to be a, to, to have a pro wrestling stick, but it's, it's just so see through, like, it's not. And then the, the worst thing about it is when he, is he admits it. He, he just admits that he's trying to do this to get a bit of notoriety, to get a. It's working. Yeah, I suppose it is, like, but. How long is it going to last? Like, nobody's going to care about Ben Rothwell could come next week, like, I don't know. He, um, Maybe he storms the cage after Cain Velasquez puts a human beat down in Verdum this Saturday. That'd be funny. That'd be a way to get him a shot. But if like, I was if I was him, I'd fly to Mexico and I'd sit cage side wearing a lucha wrestling mask. <laughs> that'd be fucking brilliant. If he wants to embrace off. his pro wrestling side, that's what he does. Yeah, like if Ernest Benoit, he's on a good run now. Like he beat Brandon Vera, Alistair Overeem, and Matt Mitri on his last three, which like. He was probably expected to lose all three of those. Like he, all against against three athletic guys, beat Brendan Schaub two fights before that. Another athletic guy. Um, I don't like. Can you ever see him beating? Can already beat him. Like can you ever see him beating um, Verdum or Stipe or? Stipe maybe. I maybe yeah. Throw it out there. There's a chance, but uh, if he gets Ken again, nope. <laughs> Yeah, Ben Rothwell is one of those guys who you can never really rule him out of a fight. Like, I think he's a bit like a, a Tim Boch was before. Like Tim, nobody expected Tim Boch to beat um, Hector Lombard when he fought him or Yushin Okami. And I think uh, Rothwell is kind of that guy. And especially at heavyweight, you can knock a guy out in one second. Like, Rothwell is so good at taking abuse and then like it not affecting him at all. Like that Homer Simpson. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Like, Absorbing it and then throwing it back yeah. down. Then again, someone like he, he dropped a loss to Mark Hunt and took all the damage in that fight. Yeah. But I think it's MMA, like we said, maybe with Bisbing and or Henderson and Vitor. It's the sort of thing that if a fight happens again a couple of years down the line, I'm taking Ben Rothwell nine times out of ten against Mark Hunt if they rematch tomorrow. Maybe. Uh, yeah, it's hard to know what way Hunt could be, but. Um yeah, I think Rothwell, like, with that ability to take damage at heavyweight as well, that's huge at heavyweight. Uh, I don't think that obviously won't work ever against Kane. Um, yeah. He'll <laughs> give him a good chance against a lot of guys. And this fight was this fight was weird because Matt Mitrion was winning this fight so easily. He was beating Rothwell in every, every part of the game. He was just touching him up on the feet and... I think it was because of the small cage again. Mitrion has spoken before about how he doesn't like the small cage, and because he's kind of the athletic guy that tries to stick and move and stay away from the the power, and uh, you know, kind of just come in, land his jabs, land his combinations, get out. That small cage didn't help him, and I think um, he went for the takedown. Obviously, that was the beginning of the end, but he went for that takedown because of the small cage, because he was he found it dangerous. He didn't want to get caught by Rottweil's power, but. It was a, it was a good takedown, but Rothwell, the old, the kind of the old veteran, turned the way out of it and caught him in a front shot as quick as uh, quick as lightning. But Mitrion's grappling and his jiu-jitsu is still is still under par. Every time he goes to the ground, you just it just looks like he's going to get submitted. Got submitted against um, uh, Brendan Schaub as well. But I still have hope for Matt Mitrion. He's one of those guys that I yeah, think yeah, you always do. Yeah, considering how he started his career. 
like yeah. so late compared to a lot of the people that he's going to be fighting against and then put a run th- like when he came out of the tough what was it he put together four or five a five in a row yeah yeah like you hope like the UFC is no place for people to be evolving and learning as a fighter but then again the UFC have also signed CM Punk so who am I to say what the UFC is and isn't anymore and you could say that Matt Mitrione <coughs> could be on the chopping block within the next 18 months perhaps uh, I don't I don't know I don't think so I, like he, um, Mitrione has had all these fights in the UFC and he's he's only a pro now just coming around to 6 years and like that's not an awful lot guys come to their prime around now or maybe 7 years 6-7 years into their uh, into their career and have like two or three yeah. years of a prime. Yeah, generally uh, I agree with you, but not when they're now aged thirty six. It doesn't really matter, especially at heavyweight. It uh, age is kind of it's in MMA. It's more about the damage you've taken and the the amount of stress you've put your body under. Although he's played in the NFL and stuff as well, so uh, it's a it's a fair point. But I think um, it's more about getting your skills. Down and stuff like that. It, it takes a long time, obviously, as you know. But um, yeah, I, I think I don't think Mitrion has reached his potential. Like, yes, like if you look at the guys, like he's fought like Rockwell, Gonzaga, uh, Ryan Nelson, Czech Congo, guys like that. I think they have all reached their potential, but I don't think he has yet. And there's a bit, there's something missing with him as well. It's, um, it's kind of like um, oh, what's the guy? What's his name? Uri you're, you're Hall. It's a bit like that with Mitrion. It's not that he's not able to, to pull the trigger. But he's it's not just, there yet. Yeah, it goes. things go so well for him. And it's actually... Hall is a bit kind of... The opposite to that, actually. that Like, he finds it hard to get it going well for him. He kind of finds it hard to get going. But Mitrion gets going, and then he kind of just throws it away. Like that that um, takedown at the weekend into the into the submission line. He was just dominating that fight, and then he just fucked it away. With... with like when it was going so well for him, but I don't know. I still, I still think he can do well. I, I'm not sure he'll ever be a champion or anything. But if he could get his, uh, if he can get his jiu-jitsu down, if he can get his grappling down, I think uh, not get submitted very easily. Exactly. I think he can be a top fiver. Uh, but there was a couple of other fights in the week, in the weekend as well. It was actually a great card, all told. Like I kind of shit all over it last week. It was I think you should do that every week. Every yeah, time you shit on something, <laughs> it gets good. Yeah, it actually does. I think they shit that Australia card as well when there was like twelve finishes on the card. But uh, yeah, because in Australia only had two decisions in their two events. Yeah, they've had two unreal last two events have been unreal. But uh, did you see Sean Jordan's switch in music? I did. Learned yeah. learned from his uncle Sean Michaels, I e- believe. Exactly. <laughs> if he doesn't walk out, I'm um, just a sexy boy. Next time he's, he's missing a beat. Um, other uh, guys who won Brian Ebersol kind of was disappointing even though with an injury looks like he's going to retire um, there was good wins did you see that uh, Joe Proctor submission it was kind of a front choker a guillotine choker where he put Justin Edwards absolutely to sleep badly to sleep yeah, oh yeah he was just pure out like he was uh, fucking face pl- well he didn't face plant but he was like he was planking in the middle of the afternoon the name Joe Proctor has just uh, led me to make a recommendation to you. Go on. Have you heard of the television show Banshee? I have, but I've never seen him. I, I would recommend it. watching it. There's a person in it called Proctor, and he's a creepy, creepy bastard. The The only reason I saw it is that it was on the Aer Lingus plane when we were going to Boston the first time, I think it was, and I watched like the first four episodes of it, and it's unbelievable. 
One of my friends watches actually said it's very good. So I'm gonna watch the poor side side sidebar there. Too much too much MMA these days. I fucking no time. Uh, other just uh, Brian Ortega as well against Tio Tavares. It was a great fight. Anthony Burchak and uh, Francisco Rivera, who we said last week could get knockouts, got him. And uh, Dustin Poirier. Did you King see that? King of the one fifty nine division. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> I I literally was trying to open up Fight Pass there so I could be watching it while I was talking to you. But I figured no. that the noise would just blare out of everything. Like. Yeah. Uh, it was a weird fight. Yancy Medeiros obviously came in overweight. I think he must have been injured because I think he's a lot better fighter than he is. And people have really gone overboard on Dustin Poirier. Like, he's a good fighter, but uh, the way they're talking, like he should be fighting Vincent Henderson and stuff. And he, he could be a contender is, at lightweight. I really don't think that's going to be the case at all. Is it another case of how good Conor McGregor actually is uh, that we see people that he's beaten come back and look so impressive in the fights after fighting him? It, it is, but in this case, well, I think that is really the case with Max Holloway. I think Max Holloway is a, is a lot better than people give him credit for. He's a lot people is better than people did give him credit for, like in against McGregor and the fights around that time. I don't think Poirier is Poirier is a good fighter don't get me wrong I'm not, I'm not saying Poirier is bad or anything I think he can he's definitely a top 10 lightweight or can get to that anyway in the next couple of fights maybe even top 7 or 8 but like could imagine him against Cowboy or Habib or Anthony Pettis or Rafael Dos Anjos I don't think he'd have much of a chance against any of those um, I would be very interested in seeing Dustin Poirier fight Anthony Pettis I don't know why yeah, it'd be nice. It'd be a nice uh, early knockout, like, but it'd be probably an enjoyable fight. I I couldn't see Pettis getting out of the first round, or uh, bam, Poirier getting out. Poirier ah. getting out of the first round. I don't know. I like the I like John Cavanaugh's tweet to Jordan Breen as well. Did you see that? Uh, I think I did. What did he say? Jordan Breen said something like, "Oh, Medeiros hit Poirier with a shot, kind of like." Oh yeah. And uh, McGregor's and John was like, "Nobody hits kind of like Connor." I was like, "Oh." Which is probably true. I I'd say Connor possesses the most power in that division. He does. Uh, yeah, he probably does. In fairness, he probably does. But um, getting on to more fights this weekend. You're at Battles on. Saw a few interviews there. Saw a few of the fights. Everyone that came out of it said it was the best card they ever had. Would you go along? Well, first things first, Sean. We've learned from the past mistakes. Autosave <laughs> is the best invention in the world. Legend. I thought I was sure we we're going to be recording again, but it's okay. We're no, back. We um we had a mid cri- mid crash there. My computer decided to switch off for a second, and um, and I was going to say you actually saw very little interviews, and it was a mistake on my part. Uh, the micro SD card that I took with me for my recorder. That's the only thing I can think of because the recorder gets used for nothing other than the interviews, especially since I got this new podcast microphone. And um, sorry, I'm just going to read it out for you. Do you know the way it's SanDisk? Yeah. Uh, the the brand like is called yeah. SanDisk. Yeah, the one I was it. using, Star Blitz. <laughs> Where'd you get it from? Fucking Moldova. I have no idea, but it was in my it was in the little box, and I took that instead of my SanDisk one, not thinking anything of it, and then a load of the files corrupted when we went to put them online so some of them were salvageable some of them were pretty bad but luckily we had all of the fights recorded 
Now, I'm going to ask you nicely, never take an interest in Irish MMA again. Okay. Has Valdrum Libestani lost at the weekend? My boy Valdrum, fuck's sake. He yeah. won his first fight, did he? And then he lost no, the he lost, lost the first fight. Ah, yeah. You see, him and, to be honest, him and Reese McKee were the two that I thought would meet in the final. Yeah. And they were drawn against each other in the first round, which always seems to happen with stuff like that, with tournaments like that. And Valdrum was putting a lot of pressure on Reese early on. Um, good power he was maybe may been hurting Reese with some of the shots and Reese dropped him with a jab I think it was yeah. Valdrum was coming forward Reese was uh, backing up just through a jab and it dropped put him down and then Reese followed on top of him and just got the finish from there and it was a brilliant performance from Reese. Um, and although I kind of shit on him last week uh, own drum go saying what's he doing in the tournament like that whoever gets him going to be an easy enough night for them an absolute warrior. He won his first match after being caught in probably the most submissions that I've seen in an Irish MMA fight for quite a, since Shchenkov fought Paddy Houlihan all those years ago. Arm bars, triangles, one after the other, and he fought out of it and managed to get a finish himself. Or was it a decision? Uh, which fight was that? Own Drum Ghoul versus uh, Alex O'Sullivan. I think it was a decision. A split decision, split yeah. Split decision, yeah. So I th- like Drum Ghoul really hung in there well. And even then, did very good against Reese McKee in the final later on. Um, but Reese, much more experienced at the amateur stage, uh, technically a much better striker. And Reese has definitely learnt and overcome the difficulties that he's faced in the past against good grapplers, stronger wrestlers than he is. And was able to use his striking to be able to kind of. Do you know when someone's striking is that good, they can kind of negate being able yeah. to get taken down? Yeah. It was that sort of performance. But Ondrum Gould definitely came out of that tournament. With the most praise, um, in my opinion, anyway. Um, a couple of other great fights on the night. Uh, Darren O'Gorman can't. Did you see that? The triangle? I did, yeah. Absolutely did, yeah. amazing. If you're listening to this, you haven't seen it, head on over to our Facebook page, our website, our YouTube account. You'll see it there somewhere. Gavin Kelly picked up a single leg on Darren O'Gorman. I've seen this done before in jiu-jitsu, but never... And I'm guessing maybe it was something that he wanted... He's been trying and wanted to try in an MMA fight when you're defending a single leg you can circle your leg out like the shin and put the shin against the, the thigh to defend the single leg and as he did that he launched himself up with his other foot and then got a triangle started landing elbows when Gavin Kelly had him lifted above his head uh, slammed him the triangle was on he went out he landed a shot um, and Gavin Kelly was out for quite a while it was pretty bad to like to see how long he was on the mat for but it's 2-0 now for Darren O'Gorman that's definitely he's, he's made a statement like you've seen guys that have gone 3-0 in Ireland and not look as good as Darren O'Gorman has and I think it's because he's had such a break between his fights because of the way the pro scene is at the minute and they're not getting matched they've got longer t- see the way we were talking about Mitrione kind of yeah. learning on the job learning in the UFC now we have Irish pro fighters that are able to take time out and in between their fights and get as much better as possible. So, definitely looking forward to seeing him fight again. And um, the other two pro fights were Carl Roach against Johnny Dargan. He submitted him with a key lock from top, just controlled the entire first round, landed some really good elbows on the ground, and then key locked him. And Sean, I'm forgetting. What was the other one? Was it Fabio Vitti? No. The, uh, well, Fabio Vitti probably should go pro now. Just on that, he won the uh, amateur belt. I've um, never seen someone get 
I've never seen like the Severe May page or uh, Twitter or Facebook get so many messages about someone than Fabio Vitti. Really? He's a he's an unbelievable fan base. Every second message that comes in is like, when is the Where Fabio Vitti? Where is the Fabio Vitti fans? <laughs> like I I must have seen at least twenty or thirty messages saying that. Like more than Conor McGregor videos, <laughs> he has a rabid fan base. So. Anyway, any promoters are out there, he'd be a good man to sign up. He's yeah, like, he seems to have a lot of fans. Yeah. He's been around Irish MMA for a long, long time. Uh, he looked very good at the weekend. Definitely more experienced than his opponent. Um, so congratulations to him. Um, Paul Lawrence was the other pro fight. Put oh, on yeah. an absolute clinic in his hands. I've never seen him look that good standing up. Made his pro debut event against Victor Ascontrimas. And Lawrence got the win. Victor couldn't answer the bell for the third fight. For the third round, I think Neil Seary made the decision and just, no, you're not going back out there. Which was um, the right what thing would, to do. What, what would Neil Seary know? Let's be honest here. Oh, he's a great man. In <laughs> fairness to him, did you see his tweet to Pizzi today? Yeah, he was, I didn't see today. He was giving me abuse yesterday on Twitter. No, yeah, he well, he made fun of the Severe May album cover as well. Oh, yeah. Which uh, was sound of him. But uh, uh, Pizzi put up my neighbours are away on holidays and their alarm's going off what do I do and Siri said give me 10 minutes I'm not done in, there, in here yet <laughs> an absolute okay. hero um, okay. and then I'm this yeah. oh sorry just on that note this what? weekend Clan Wars this Saturday this Sunday um, as always a good card from Clan Wars we'll be talking about it Some, there'll be coverage all over the website and um, we're heading all up we're bringing the crew photos articles fucking video interviews and a long trip to Belfast. What can I say? The perfect way to spend a Sunday. One last thing on Battlezone. Um, kudos to them as well for putting all their fights on Periscope. That was it. Was just yeah. a brilliant idea. They put all their fights live on Periscope, and like for a promotion like they've obviously... Fergus. Fergus Ryan sitting cage side with a tablet, like moving <coughs> around trying to record the fight. I was him doing. Was he not doing commentary, no? Or no, did no they, it did was. Television? It wasn't recorded for commentary. I thought oh, it was going to be recorded for television, and there was actually just on that. A great crowd, in my opinion, at it. Um, yeah, it sounded really loud when I was listening to them. So yeah, it was like, I was a little bit underwhelmed when I first walked in and I saw the venue, because I'd seen it before, but then when you go behind the cage, like where the fighters walk out, there's actually rows upon rows there, because we're always the other side, because that's where the room we have for interviews is. So I'm never down that end, and it was just absolutely big, big crowd. Battlezone, I believe, are rescheduling a show now for November sometime. So uh, Andy Ryan took the risk He put the pro fights on in Dublin He got the crowd there Hopefully it'll build on that And we're going to see an even bigger crowd at the next one um, yeah. And you're right like, The Periscope thing was fucking For, any other, for any other promotions Like even Clan Wars this weekend it's not, It doesn't cost you anything Like you should definitely do it Because I saw I tweeted out the um, the link When Battlezone put it up to the Periscope And like I, you, you know you can see the people coming up Who are watching it And there's like people that I knew in America And stuff watching it And of people all over the country. There was, I don't know. There was maybe hundred or so people watching, and it grew and grew. That was. I was only able to watch a couple of fights because I was um, I was covering the UFC Africa, the Peter Queeley fight. But what um, do you think of that? We were watching it on Graham's phone, cage side. It was it was a pretty good fight. Um, the guy who was fighting Cabeza, he was he was actually a pretty good fighter. But um, I think Peter Queeley. I think he. Ha I was talking to Graham about it as well. I think he has all the attributes. I think his striking was good, his wrestling was good, his leg kicks were good. But I think he's still kind of putting it together. You know, how many is there, like five or six fights into his career? Like, I think he's going to be very good, but I don't think he's just there yet. And that's not knocking him or anything like But um 
Yeah, he could have won that fight. I scored him winning it, but I didn't. It wasn't a robbery by any means. It wasn't a Norman Parker or anything. Um, I thought Cabessa definitely won the first round. I thought he definitely won the second round, and the third round in was nipper tough. Yeah, it was probably because um, he got a bit of damage. He got a little cut in his head. I think that probably was the difference. He, uh, Cabessa drew a bit, little bit of blood from him, but <clears throat> yeah, I think that Cabessa is actually a good, pretty good fighter as well. He's kind of putting it together as well. But if we're talking, yeah. Sean, just very quickly about pro fights in Ireland, I just got tagged in three pictures on Facebook. Akuma what? Fighting Championships. Michael Pitlack versus Patrick Wexted from Team Rhino, Sunday the 9th of August. Niall Smith, who won in Scotland at the weekend actually, he's now 3 and 1 as a pro, against Michael Devlin. And Andy Taz Young versus Dylan Sheehan from Trials MMA. There's three more pro fights we're going to see in August, um, a few this weekend in Clan Wars. It seems like slowly but surely promoters are actually going to start paying out for pro fighters. Indeed. What Indeed. a shock. Okay. More pro fights this weekend. And, and an Irish pro fight as well, Kyle Pendred fighting Dodger Montagna. I was watching some tape on my, um, I was writing my uh, preview yesterday. I, can't I think you're going to drop something here. I think you're going to drop knowledge. I saw you, you got up at six in the yeah. morning to preview fights. I, I was, yeah. I was, I was, it, it actually took me longer to do this week than it usually takes me. I usually have it all done in like two or three hours. I was like five or six hours doing this this week's one. I don't know why, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. Carl Binder is is not favorite for this fight. He's five to four to win this fight. I can't believe it. Like Dodger Montano, I put two of his fights up in Severe May yesterday. If anyone wants to see him in the videos, he got dropped. Like he's fighting guys who are like eight and six, and I think the other one was like four and three or something like that. And he nearly got knocked out by both of them. But he's he's a bit like Alvinder in the way he gets hurt and then he comes back and he uh, back from does the very well to come back yeah. But if you avoid getting put up against the uh, the fence and landing knees on Augusto Montano, if you can avoid that, you're probably going to be okay. Um, his takedown defense is just not up to par at all. Like he's 15 15-1 in MMA, which is great. 15, he, all his 15 wins, not one of them is a Wikipedia page, and the one guy he lost is Sam Alvey, and Sam Alvey's kind of a wrestler type, Kyle Pinder is good wrestling as well, I can see Pinder just taking him down all day, um, Montagna, he used to be a middleweight, he's very strong, he's a big kind of guy, but against Kyle Pinder, he's not going to have the advantage he's had against other guys, the last guy he fought, Chris Hederley, was maybe one, he, he's a strong guy, but he's a really small welterweight, um, like, it's I know it's tough sometimes they're looking at Irish guys you kind of maybe favour them because you know them a bit better but I like I really do favour Carl Pendred in this fight um, it, it's interesting the way as well people kind of um, people Carl did you read the interview um, Pizzi I don't know oh was it on uh, the MMA hour when he said the amount of shit he yeah. got after that fight has pretty much prepared him I think, and I think it's a good thing to receive so early in your career I know they're all against negativity in SPG and all of that but I think yeah. Cahill got a lot of it and a lot from Irish people as well after that last fight and I think yeah. that maybe is going to really motivate him in order to get a finish this weekend Like I, before his last fight I wrote an article about him about how he's such a good like a comeback artist and how he never did and he's like he's just he over he overextended himself. I think we spoke about it before how much of an overachiever is. Like when he fought David, Big, what, what's his name? Um, Belkaiden. Belkaiden. He wasn't expected to beat him. 
maybe he wasn't expected to beat Shea Mills couple of guys in the UFC as well, especially last time I had against Sean Spencer, and obviously that fight, I scored it first, Spencer and stuff, a lot. Spencer thinks he won, a few more people, a few more people think he won as well, whatever you like, the fight was actually pretty, it was closer than I think I thought at the time, I still had Spencer winning, but I, like, there's a slight argument, but I, look, whatever, that, that's, that's kind of a, in the, in the past, past anyway, but, the amount of shit he's gotten, like, what, even that one fight, even if it was a complete robbery, if he should have lost all three rounds. Still, why do you judge a guy on, like, one fight? And I know it happens a lot in MMA, but it's kind of crazy. Like, he had a comeback in here last year against um, against Mike King. Like, just an unbelievable comeback. Some of these Cage Warriors fights were the same, really good. Like, he beat the shit out of Jamin's just before he came. Like, I don't know, um... I think Carl Pinter, he spoke, I was actually listening to his interview on the MMA or there, um, and um, he said it himself, and uh, like that, he's the kind of one of these guys that he maybe he doesn't have the physical attributes, like that, the striking of Conor McGregor, the, the grappling of a Gunnar Nelson and stuff like that, but he's all about hard work and dedication, he'll never give up, he has the heart of a lion and all, and that's, can't that's teach really hard. what he is, exactly, yeah, but um, yeah, like, if, I, if I can steal that phrase. I think he deserves a little bit more respect than he's getting. Like he's three and on UFC. I think he'll be four and after this weekend. So um, a little bit of respect wouldn't go wouldn't go astray. Like, and I think it's not just for Carl Pinder, our, our Irish fighters. It's for fighters all over the world. But, uh, like he didn't decide decide that last decision. Like it was the judges who decided. Yeah, There's plenty more it wasn't guys. Wasn't like Cahill paid money to the judges. Yeah. and said or or he overruled them and decided actually no I'm going to win this fight or that he got a bullshit decision because he's friends with Conor McGregor or a teammate of Conor McGregor yeah. nothing like that at all so for people like I, I wish those people would have has, as viciously attacked the judges that, yeah. <laughs> that scored it That's the problem. or the two judges that scored it for Cahill as opposed to Cahill himself yeah. I, I saw I was I don't know why I did it, but I was uh, reading some of the Facebook comments under one of the posts. Oh no! And they were just retarded, like Jesus. There was one that said, "He should be three on three in the UFC." What the fuck? Like he he choked one guy unconscious. How <laughs> like? Explain that guy, to us, yeah, sir. That gas animal out of fight as well. He clearly won that fight. I don't give a shit what anyone says. He clearly won that fight. The last one, fair enough. But like, people, there's kind of this rhetoric that goes along and. It happens an awful lot. The kind of uh, like Frank Edgar sh- like should have won all the, those uh, those fights he fought, fought for the title. He should all the two Henderson fights and the the Jose Aldo fight. He should have won all those fights. He was robbed in all of them. And, uh, yeah, these things kind of happen. But the fight itself, I don't think it'll be the best fight in the world. I think they're they're pretty similar in the stand up. They're kind of lumbering, kind of slower guys that. Um, land these big shots. Montano probably is a little bit faster. Um, he's he's defensively very poor. I can see Pindred land on him. Obviously, Pindred is uh, isn't the best defensive fighter either. He takes a few, and obviously he gets um, he's got knocked down and hurt a few times in his in his career. I don't think Montano has the ability to knock him down from like standing in the middle of the cage but I think if he pushes him against the cage and uh, as I said before his knees are vicious in the cage when he gets you up there and he's a great man of c- for controlling against the cage and stuff but as I said he's uh, his takedown defense is, isn't very good and I think if Pinder has watched a lot of tape on him he probably has and his game plan is good I think uh, I think it could be a good night for him it's not um, as if Carl Pendred is a stranger 
Tinnies considering own Roddy yeah. as one of his main training partners yeah. and on that note uh, deepest sympathies go out to own Roddy and all of the Roddy family um, I think Owen had to come home from Las Vegas unfortunately his dad passed away in the last week and he buried him just the other day so Owen Roddy the greatest hero of Irish MMA one of the nicest men you'll ever meet uh, deepest condolences to you and your family at the minute and hopefully hopefully it's not too I don't want to say big of a thing obviously it's a massive thing losing a parent but hopefully um, he's able to get back out to Vegas before the fight at least or at least for the fight I know he'd probably want to spend some time with his family for the next while but um, big blow to Connor's camp as well I know Chris Fields went out of Mexico as well and then ended up hurting himself when he got back in Dublin so he's had to pull out of Bama this weekend as well yeah anyway what's next Sean um, on that we talked about the rest of the card this weekend King um, Velasquez is going to be unleashed the man who's only fought for four minutes against <laughs> non-Brazilian people since 2010 where did he get Nine. Nine? No, because he fought Rothwell in 2009. Yeah, but since then. Oh, yeah, since. No, but yeah. he, if Brock was four and something minutes, Rothwell was three and something, I think. I was, yeah, but since. Oh, yeah, okay. Okay, <laughs> since after the Roth. Okay, since 2009. Since the day yeah. after the Rothwell fight. Yeah. He's only fought <laughs> for four minutes against n- people that weren't named. What that weren't Brazilian. Stealing my stats again. Oh, was the same. Did I? I? I don't know. I saw a couple of people throw that out now on Twitter. That was me, yeah. Maybe other Twitter. people are stealing yours. Probably, more than likely. That seems to happen. International man of mystery. Yeah. <laughs> Who are you picking in this fight? Uh, Kane. I'm picking Verdum. I'm you? fucking doing it. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Why? Tell me why. Because he beat Fedor. No, Even though yeah. Kane is two wins away from being the best <coughs> heavyweight of all time, excluding Fedor. Oh, no, including Fedor. I'll tell you exactly why now I think Fedor will win. Cain Velasquez, we know what he's about. He'll put pressure on you, push you against the cage, beat you with dirty boxing, stick your stick his face into your into your head, or stick his head into your face, beat you up, and take you down. That's, are we agreeing that that's what Cain Velasquez does? That's okay. I'll accept okay. that. Verdum won't mind that. Verdum will have no problem putting his back against the cage. Verdun will pull guard and he'll be sneaky about it. He'll feel a punch, he'll go down and look for Kane to go on top of him. And Kane Velasquez, when that happens, he is not a guy that goes down. He has done it in the past, but he's not a guy that goes down all the time and finishes guys like that. He will try to control you, he'll try to like ride out on top of you. And I think that's very, very dangerous against Fabrizio Verdun. You think Especially he's going to pretend he's hurt and pull guard? He does it every fight. Stanky leg. Yeah, definitely. I, I can definitely see it happening. And, 20 months out of the cage Cain Velasquez has been against a guy as sneaky as Fabrizio Verdum and as guy as good as Fabrizio Verdum like you know better than anyone he's, he's uh, he, the ability the jiu-jitsu he has he submitted Fedor who else has he submitted submitted plenty of guys in his time I hope you know the reason why he got into jiu-jitsu no, uh, why? I don't know his, oh, his girlfriend ex- at the time yeah. he got the shit kicked out of him I think by her ex yeah. And then he wanted to learn jiu-jitsu so he could kick the fuck out of him. Legend. And what he's a hero. The and he he's did it. the same to Ken Velasquez on the weekend. I'm not but too sure that he's going to do the exact same to Ken Velasquez. Um, I think Ken Velasquez will genuinely hurt him enough on the feet so that he will be in defensive mode on the way down. Um, I don't think he'll hurt him in the sense that he'll make him go down and then Verdun will be playing possum. I think he genuinely will just come out 
and run at him. I, I can't see Cain Velasquez coming out and playing this fight safe or playing it cautious. I can see him coming straight out into Ver, Verdum and looking to exchange with him and then start pushing him up against the fence, start working for takedowns. I wouldn't even be surprised if he went for the takedown without the cage as well. I, he, I, I, he's I, like, I, Cain, Cain Velasquez is en route to becoming the greatest heavyweight ever. And that includes Fedor, in my opinion. Fedor, we saw him towards the twilight of his career. Maybe that he was fighting guys like shitter guys in Pride, or like there's no denying that he was the best of all time. But you do have to wonder, like, and not to be sounding like Dana White 2.0 or a shill or anything like that. You do, Fedor's legacy can never be genuinely considered because in my opinion because he didn't fight the best people in the world at the time oh, I don't know about that now well like don't get me wrong he absolutely annihilated every single person that was put in front of him convincingly but would you not have liked to have seen him fight Randy Couture in his prime or Brock Lesnar I would Lesner? I would but Randy Couture was never the best heavyweight that. in the world yeah, that's, that's fair enough Although, well, but yeah, when but... he around the time that he was rumoured to be fighting or there were in talks about fighting Brock Lesnar he had already lost to Verdum and Dan Henderson. Or was, uh, well, that, or that was the end of his career. Exactly. So that's yeah. when they were going to put him in against Brock. Imagine if the UFC had a got him at that time, put him in then, Fedor's legacy is destroyed. I don't know. Like, the, the guys who were champions around his time, like the Andrew Arlovskis and Tim Silvias in, in the UFC, he's fought them. Like, he's beat the two of them. He fought Mark Hunt, he fought Mark Coleman, he fought, fought Nogueira. Like, yeah, I, I, I accept that because he beat all of those guys when they're in their prime. Yeah. Made absolute piss at a crow cop and Nogueira. But I would have liked to have seen, like, even if it was towards the end of his career. Oh, yeah, I would have loved to have seen it as well, but I don't think it, like, it does take away from him a bit. But I think, I still think, um, I still think his legacy is safe. Like, Pride was unbelievably good around that time, and it was arguably even better than the UFC's heavyweight division. Because, like, like, let's remember, Tim Sylvia, <laughs> Tim Sylvia was the UFC heavyweight champion there for a while. Um, like, so that doesn't exactly speak too well for the heavyweight division there. And but. even then, saying that the UFC's heavyweight division now lacks someone like Cain Velasquez, I think, I don't see why people would have an issue with him being called the best fighter yeah, in I think history. Uh, I think the only thing that's taken away from him is the amount of injuries he's had. Like, he's only had, like, what is it? Six or seven fights since 2009. Five, six, seven, yeah. Eight fights since 2009. Like, eight fights in six years. That's that's not very much. Um, I think I think it's okay when you look at it up to 2012. Yeah. Because he was fighting regularly enough. And then once, twice in 2013, not at all in 2014. And now we're halfway through 2015. And he's only yet to fight now. He probably will fight once more this year. Ken Velasquez now has the next two years, in my opinion, to completely solidify himself as the best heavyweight on the planet. If he has put his injuries behind him, if he is ready to go fully fit, if he's ready to wreck Fabrizio Verdun, ah. call up Stipe Miocic right after it, maybe Junior DeSantos is back in the title contention for some god-awful reason after that. He'll, he beat Stipe. He put him in again. What? Junior beat Stipe. People forget that. No, but he I mean, yeah, but do you know the way we always talk about... Uh, Misha Tate being the best yeah. fighter in the world if Ronda Rousey's not around it's the same with Junior DeSantos Junior will probably beat everyone in that division up until he has to <laughs> he's made get in the cage again with Ken Velasquez <laughs> yeah I, I think this is the most dangerous fight for Velasquez this weekend because of the amount of time he's out and because of how sneaky and good Verdum is like 
Verdum on the feet as well has improved so much. Like he beat up Travis Brown on the feet. He knocked out Mark Hunt uh, like a kickboxing world champion. And if you watch any of Mark Hunt's old fights, even even when he loses, like he doesn't really get beat up on the feet that much. Um, although Hunt was probably winning that fight, but Verdum did knock him out in, in the end. I think this fight is. I I don't see it as a walkover for Ken Velasquez. It could be like, but I I I don't know. I can see Verdum catching him, and I think he's like ten to one to win by submission. That's definitely worth a fiver. Uh, well, now my definitely. earlier statement is retracted. That's worth a fiver. <laughs> like in fairness, it is. Uh, I don't know. I can see it happen. I can just see him armbarring him or catching him in triangle or something. I can see it. I don't know why. I, I'm picking him. I don't usually pick guys off of like that. Uh, like I didn't pick Anthony Johnson because I think uh, like I don't like picking guys landing a one shot over one big submission. But I think I don't know. I just there's so many things playing against Ken Velasquez. The amount of time he's been out, the game has moved forward. Verdum, I think Verdum is a bad matchup for him. I I have to pick Verdum. I'm going with him. Uh, I'm still gonna end up going with Velasquez. Wait a second. Just go upstairs. Two of my mates just walked in. Fuck. Sake. They're gone, don't worry. How unprofessional. Don't worry, how unprofessional. They were planning on sitting down there and one of them said, well, kid, when he walked in the door. I was like, yeah, no, get out. Um, All right, we'll, we'll finish up. No, no, we um, won't even have to edit. We won't even have to edit. Fuck him. Melinda's Alvarez. Who are you picking that for? This is such a fucking horrible fight because I want neither of them to lose. Is that bad? I like. I love both of them as much as the other. Like, If we have anything less than Gilbert Melinda's Diego Sanchez in this fight, I'd be disappointed. I think it's just going to be a fucking great fight. Eddie Alvarez is just... He hasn't had an easy entry to the UFC. No. Donald Cerrone in your first fight. Gilbert Melendez in your second fight. Yeah. He's like... He must have pissed someone off. It's like... This is what you get for taking us to court for so long. Eh? Having us... Having yourself in court. Trying to sign with us for so long, Eddie. Like, fuck you. Yeah. Uh, we're giving you the two hardest people we can. Um, and even then, the Cerrone fight, I think it was just a case of him getting to find himself. However, Gilbert Melendez, like, I don't know, he's one of my favourite 155ers of all time. An absolute dog of a man. Like, I thought, I still think he can beat ben, Benson Henderson. I, for what it's worth, I still think he could be champion in that division. Ah, uh, I don't think so. No, definitely. He's fucking that, great man. Like, that beating Habib. Yeah, but you, he you're, he gets injured more than Kane. You can't That's keep true. saying Habib, Habib, Habib. I can, like. <laughs> I can and I will. <laughs> I think I think um, this fight kind of favours Melendez a bit because he has such good takedown defence and because he's so rangy and he's defensively very good in the striking as well. Um, Alfred likes to get inside and land his power strikes and I think when guys try to do that against Melendez it doesn't really end up too, uh, end up too well for him. Um it should be a good fight though because Melinda's will stand there and he will trade with you as well but he'll make you miss and he'll land himself and like again Alvarez tends to take a bit of damage as we saw against those Michael Chandler fights in Bellator he took a lot of damage could, this, Jesus could be a very good fight He's he takes a lot of damage but he has a good chin Melinda's obviously has a great chin as well although Diego Sanchez didn't really knock him out but oh, geez, I think this will be a, a decision fight of the year be fight of the night maybe fight of the year that's going to be fucking brilliant. It is the potential, I think, to be fight of the year. I'm just yeah. moving my desk here so I can sit down properly for the last couple of minutes. Oh. Um, so anything other than Mexicans firing pistols into the crowds over their sombreros <laughs> at the weekend, uh, I'm going to be disappointed. You're not there. What? Can't get there. 
Why are you not going to be disappointed because they're not there? Oh, like, I mean, like, they will be so enthralled by the, the co-main and main event that obviously they'll have to bring their pistols and start. You know, Mexicans do If we're jumping on stereotypes here, like. Indeed, indeed. Okay, a couple of things before we get to the, um, Hit the questions. Cormier versus Gustafsson. I have what do you no think problem about with it. Shut me the neither. fuck up. Jesus Christ, Ryan Bader is as entertaining as watching paint dry. Alexander Gustafsson was in the most exciting light heavyweight fight of modern day UFC history against the greatest fighter probably to ever live, John Jones. Yes, he got absolutely sparked by Anthony Johnson. A lot of people will get sparked by Anthony Johnson before he retires from the UFC, and that's okay. We spoke before about a triangle in that division, about how Alexander Gustafsson can beat John Jones. Alexander Gustafsson can beat Daniel Cormier, but Daniel Cormier can never beat John Jones. Yeah. That sort of thing. That's and then true. throw Anthony Johnson into the mix. Um, since then, there's been a load of articles, a load of people on Twitter coming out saying how many people have actually gotten title shots off losses, either in yeah. the past, in the history of the UFC, or if you want to go look at it, Daniel Cormier, most recently. And exactly. um, I think it is the fight to make Ryan Bader, Daniel Cormier as a UFC light heavyweight title defense, probably gonna have to headline a pay-per-view card. Not for me, sorry. And um, fair enough, I could see this if it's gonna be if they were gonna do it in Europe, I could understand why they'd give it to Alexander Gustafsson. And um, is there a date announced for the UFC one nine one? Uh, I think it's in I think Vegas. That's when they're is that that's when they're doing it though, isn't it one nine one? I'm not sure no offhand, but maybe. Just on the, the people coming off of losses, uh is the 15th UFC fighter to get a title shot off of a loss, so this this isn't irregular. And I don't know if you read my article of, I wrote about it that it was the right call to make. I got a lot of stick yeah, over it. You got a counter, a <laughs> counter article written for you. Yeah. Also, on that, actually, yeah. I meant to address it earlier on. Um, last week when we said a 10 8 Ben Cartledge round, oh, yeah. Ben Cartledge actually got on to me. I haven't Skyped him yet. I'm meaning to Skype him. Um, he's obviously never given a 10-8 round for that. But I am looking <laughs> forward to, uh, to talking to him because, you know, uh, when someone when you say something like that and someone yeah. gets on to you, you want to discuss the point 100% every single time. Um, there were instances or fights that I've seen anyway where I thought maybe he's favoured the guy who grappled more and put pressure up against the cage more. That's fair enough. But obviously... Just in case anyone took that in any way seriously, he's never given a 10-8 for something like that. So don't talking go... Shit about, talking shit about people on the podcast and coming back to haunt you. I wouldn't really say talking shit or coming back <laughs> to haunt me, okay, considering he messaged me privately. He could have called me out publicly and been like, what the fuck? But uh, back to Ryan Bader. He was one knockout away. Ryan Bader, one knockout away from having a Dan Hardy record for challenging for a UFC title. Four decisions and, no, and he could have got one knockout yeah, sell that. Just replay a hook or whatever it was that he'll catch him with over and over to make it seem like Dan Hardy is some outstandingly great finisher. Like when what they did when they were selling his fight with George St. Pierre. Um, four decisions, no thanks. Ryan Bader and Daniel Cormier would probably end in Daniel Cormier finishing him or being another boring match. At this stage, I think the UFC know themselves. I think the UFC don't try and hide it at all anymore. They're not like the best fighter gets the best shot, the next shot. It's never been, the, like the last three at least years, four even, for the UFC. It's never been that way. Never, I'm happy, ever, I'm ever. I'm happy with that as well. I'm, go, I'm delighted with that. 
Like, Who cares? I, I, yeah, exactly. Like sometimes it's fine, and they do it most of the time. Like they probably do it ninety percent of the time. But like fucking people getting up in arms over this, like Jesus, get over it. As if Alexander Gustafsson is a bum that was picked up off the street. Yeah, like I want to see the best fights. Like, while they're in their prime. While okay, if guys, have earned, if guys have earned it, okay, you feel bad for him. Fair enough. But like Bader will get his shot eventually if he keeps winning, and they're talking about him fighting Rashad Evans. That would be a fight that you couldn't deny him. If he won that fight, you couldn't deny him a title shot if he's five in a row after beating Rashad Evans. Fair enough. But like, I think Gustafsson, okay, he got knocked out by, by um, Anthony Johnson. There's no shame in that, like, Anthony Johnson one of those one of the best fighters in the world as well. Um, I don't know. I understand the argument from a sporting term that he should win, his, uh, win a couple of fights, get back in there. But this is, this is prize fighting, like, UFC had a bad year last year, they want to make their money back. Looking at it from a long-term point of view as well, okay, this fight might be that much bigger than the Bader Carmia fight. It'll probably be a bit bigger. But if um Carmia wins, okay, you have your champion going forward in America. He's people like him. He might not be a star, but if John Jones comes back, big matchup for John Jones, right? If Gustafsson wins, he's a star in Europe. You could bring him fight him put him fighting in Ireland, put him fighting in, in um Sweden. We saw the last time they had a two AM card. You can put that in pay per view. Perfect. Ryan Bader Ryan Bader comes, you have a, a shitty car, a shitty main event of a card against Daniel Cormier where you know Cormier's got to beat shit out of him. And if he was to win, you have Ryan Bader as your champion. Like, And people people might argue that, okay, this is a sport, and if Ryan Bader is good enough to win it, fair enough, he deserves to be. But you also got to look at it, it is a business as well, and it's entertainment. And, like, and if, you, if you really want to throw, oh, let's be outraged about something into the works then consider it from this point of view. Alexander Gustafsson had his title shot taken off him exactly. after he got injured because Jones and Cormier was going to make the UFC more money. Exactly. So, because of their little press conference spat. So, by all accounts, Alexander Gustafsson, give him that shot. He lost it. He had to wait. He lost out on it. He took a fight in the interim and he paid the price and he lost and he got knocked out. That's fair enough. I still think he deserves the title shot because of that. Like he was had to, didn't he get? It was announced for UFC one in the summer, and then he got injured. Then it was yeah. moved to then, McGregor's yeah, Jones, card. Jones the, got injured. Yeah. yeah. Then no. Gustafsson got injured first. Yeah. Then, then Jones, Jones got injured. Yeah. And then it was put back to the January, obviously, of this year. And that's fair enough. And even then, if you want to completely throw it up in the air he was supposed to fight Rashad Evans and then Rashad got hurt again and he was made to fight Anthony Johnson so if you really want to look at it Gustafsson was drawn a pretty bad hand the last year and a half so by that account yeah no problem Alexander Gustafsson gets the next title shot and I'm looking forward to the fight okay last thing before we get on to the, the questions the drug policy it came out about this time last week we don't have that much time to talk about it but just are you happy with it? Or are Relati- you what it relatively like? so. I'm, yeah. um, what you, I, I saw you went on a bit of a rampage being like, yeah, these have always been the rules, lads. Why are you thinking this is rules? Uh, let me hit you with something that I want cl- clarity on. What? Can a fighter be smoking weed up until six hours before his fight? Uh, and six hours after it? Well, 
he can be can a fighter be can a fighter be off his tits on coke fight morning no it has to be out of your system before six hours before the fight okay. so let's say if it takes 10 days to get out of your system you can be off your tits nine days and twi- and 18 hours before the <laughs> before the fight excellent but after that you can't okay, okay. <laughs> for future reference um, I um, enjoy the steroid bans and implications I think it's going to really deter a lot of people um, and from July on it's going to be hilarious to see the wanes of some starting fighters over the next 12 months yeah I think um, there's still a lot of flaws with it I think it's good there seems to be like <clears throat> this school of thought that it won't deter fighters they'll still do it and they'll just risk it and that um, that these bans are too harsh because in their careers and stuff which is okay that's a fair enough that's a fair enough way of looking at it but it doesn't look at it from a drugs or bad kind of point of view and I'm not talking about weed or, or cocaine or bad, okay. I'm, I'm talking about PEDs like some people don't subscribe to the if you take PEDs you're a cheat kind of a, a rule and I I kind I'm kind of in between it because when guys do get like a two year ban I'm kind of like ah oh, jeez that's a bit harsh but then I kind of I don't want guys taking PEDs especially in MMA where you can get hurt badly like um but I think I think I'm I'm swaying to the big band side of it um the the other issue with it is the independent contractors thing um, like all UFC fighters they're not employees of the UFC they're independently contracted to the UFC and the UFC are basically just changing the rules of their contract do you know contract. what I say to that what? go to Bellator more you can do what you want to an extent you can get paid by whoever you want for the some fighters are there for the reason of it being the UFC and maybe one day becoming the best in the world this is just an, add- an additive on it that's if a very that's it, a very pro UFC anti fighter uh, kind of. Yeah, thing. but if you're not okay with that, if you're not okay with like, why w- why would you care about being tested extensively and having such uh, strict bans as an independent contractor unless you had something to hide? Yeah, but it's not just that; it's that with the pay as well and things like that. Like you're, it's fake outrage. People don't I'm, give a no, shit I'm about not, that. They're I'm just not looking for a loophole to care about something. No, I think the, I think the UFC fighters aren't treated as well as they should be. They don't get paid enough. I don't think that's even a debate. I think that's just yeah, a fact. Fair enough. And I think they should have been consulted on this drug testing thing. I don't think like the UFC and the Reebok deal as well. They should be consulted on things like that. Um, Unionize. What think about the, only... the funniest thing in the world? Sorry, Jose Aldo what? slamming the shit out of the Reebok <laughs> deal. Andre Pettineris coming out. No, it's great. Yeah, do you know why he did that? Because he owns Shooter Brazil. And shoot up Brazil is on UFC Fight Pass. There you go. There you go about that. But uh, yeah, look, th- these issues. I think th- I think this drug policy is good, but it has a lot of flaws. And most of those flaws are that it's 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 kind of anti-fighter, and it should be anti-fighter, I suppose, because it, you're trying to catch fighters. But they need to, to be compensated in a way that's fair for them get tested like this and there should be employees of the UFC if they're going to be tested if they're going to have uniforms like that and they should get the rights that an employee gets and not the rights of an independent contractor so that's where I go down but the other issue is it's USADA doing it it's Travis Tigert obviously the guy that caught Lance Armstrong 
this guy is the best in the world. Um, so best in the world. If you're a UFC fighter, if you're Neil Siri down having your fishing on a Sunday morning, you better be you better watch out. Travis Tigert's gonna come for you. He's gonna he's gonna test you. And oh, I asked like, how are UFC fighters gonna have affairs now? Let's exactly. be honest, like they're yeah. not like it's that's. I'm crossing the state line with my with my side piece. Oh, there's <laughs> now a record of that. Like some UFC fighters, from what I've heard, are going to be royally fucked. And mm. um, da da da. And uh, also the saddest news you're going to hear this week. Go on. Abu Dhabi has been released from Arsenal. I saw that, yeah. Man United should sign him up. He was a great player, wasn't he? But he just kind of injuries fucked him up. And bad. I- well, that bastard Smith or whoever it was that shattered his ankle from Sunderland. Who's now not even a pro footballer? That was the start of it for him. From him, then he was one of those guys. I was always jealous that Man United didn't have and that Arsenal had, and then he just kind the of the many injuries of Abu Dhabi. Yeah. Okay, we got into questions. Last few minutes we have um, from Gavin Spraggett on Twitter about the cage. A Saturday proof. Should the UFC only use a smaller cage going forward? What do you think? Uh, if they want more finishes, then yes. Usually, isn't it con- isn't it decided by the size of a venue? Yeah, it usually is, yeah. Or, like, say, if they have... If they were having an event in Ireland this week, I want in Brazil next week, obviously they'd have to have one cage in one place, one cage in the other place. Yeah. I think they would... Uh, I'd like to see something like fighters being able to have an input on it. You know, as stupid as that sounds. I think mm-hmm. certain fighters prefer the cage, the bigger or smaller cage. Why not ask them? Why not get all the guys three or four weeks before an event and say, big cage, small cage, majority wins? Or like the champion decide if it was, if there's a championship. Yeah, point same there. way like uh, home and away jerseys or something like that in football, or in in Arsenal actually the captain decides whether they wear long sleeve or short sleeves and the whole team has yeah. to follow. I think um, I was thinking about it today when that question came in, and I, oh, this is how I do it. Right, I'd have for welterweight up, I'd have the big cage if uh, in the main event. Say if if uh, Robbie Lawler was fighting in the main event for the welterweight title, big cage, yeah, big yeah. cage. From lightweight down, have the small cage. Can you imagine locking Cain Velasquez in a small cage with Junior DeSantos? I, I wouldn't want to see that. Like, he'd just kill him, kill him to death, he would. Um, but I can see the benefit of putting Joseph Benavidez and Demetrius Johnson in that tiny cage. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. They, should. they shouldn't be fighting in a big cage. It's fucking terrible to watch him fighting in a big cage. They should, yeah. Okay, next question. Um, from VinnyC86 on Twitter. <laughs> Am I the only person that thinks tough is shite? <laughs> no, and also, what's your favourite tough season and why? I haven't watched a full season of tough in a long, 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 long time. I, I always watched it up until this season. Like, the last couple of seasons kind of through gritted teeth, but this season I just couldn't do it. I tapped out, maybe. I, I watched the first episode, I think, and about 10 minutes into the second episode I tapped out and I couldn't, I couldn't watch anymore. Uh, it's just terrible. It needs to go. This re- this year was the dead of it, I think. No, there's nobody watching it. You never hear anyone talking about it or anything. It's just terrible. You um, wonder what they're going to do with it. Are they going to yeah, coffinate it? They're just going to keep going because they need... Fighters. Fox dealism fucked up. They have to... It's just content. They have to provide content. What's your favourite season ever? Um, if I have... From watching... Like, if, watching back, I really enjoyed what I saw of Tough 5 and I was watching it back on Fight Pass I think it was because of all the guys that have gone on from the show to such good careers it is kind of cool being able to look back and see them in, 
in those stages. I enjoyed Rampage and Rashad's season for yeah. the abuse that took between them and the hilarious incident with the door. Titties. Uh, titties as well. The door wasn't. The door was a different season. Was the door it? was. Yeah, the door was the season Rampage was on with uh, Forrest. Oh no! Was it? Are you yeah, sure? It was. Yeah, hundred percent. Thanks but for that, ruining my life. Sorry. Season ten was the best season. I I agree with you. At, um, Rampage Rashad. Yeah, that was the best. Kimbo. Fucking deadly. Um, yeah. I suppose we leave it there, so. Go on. Maybe we have we not. I will. We. Okay, we. Will, I will give you one more go question. For one more. This is really uh, towards me from Amy McLean over on Twitter, friend of the podcast. Yes. Why do you hate Kenny Florian so much? Yeah. Why do Did you, you see my, my? I just don't like him. I just think he's one of the nicest people a, I've ever interviewed. Yeah, I think he's a nice guy. I think he's good, grand on UFC tonight. I just think he's an awful bad commentator, and I think he's not very good on the desk on fight night either. I just don't think he's very good. I think, like, I'm You're a fan sassy of, bitch. I'm even a fan of Goldie and Rogan, kind of. I'm a fan of John Anik. I'm a fan of Brian Stan. I like Dan Hardy. I like podcast listener John Gooden, uh, <laughs> and I like. You had like, to throw that in there. I had to throw it yeah, in there. Yeah. I was about to start shouting there. Paul Redman just checked in at Entice Bar Ibiza. But really? it's another Paul Redmond. It's oh, someone right. called Paul Redmond on my Facebook page, and I was just thinking, what the fuck is Redder doing? I beat that. And why big, is he put drink emojis? Big, um, there's actually a big fight camp out in Ibiza, so they might be North thing. Do you know Matthew what? Matthew Macklin has one out there. Yeah. Talking about Ibiza, three of the best jiu-jitsu black belts in the world, Rodolfo Vieira, Marcus Bucecha, and Leandro Lowe, are having a five-day camp in fucking Ibiza. We're, we're better to have Four it. and a half grand for five days training. That'd be so crap though, wouldn't it? Shit, white belt millionaires are the only people that'd be there, <laughs> yeah. I'd say. Lads who love the beer just turn up, won't do any jiu-jitsu. Yeah, just arrive there and just fucking... <laughs> well, boys, bring them out on the absolute <laughs> like. Come on, Marco, we go for no point. Jesus Christ. Uh, but they're actually... I googled it then afterwards. There's actually a couple of no-gi BGJ schools in Ibiza and Santa Panza. So any leaving starters out there, any aspiring young fighters that want to go away and be a fighter, go for it. But I actually, I'll, just before we go, I'll send it to you after. Some, one of the people that owns the gym in Santa Ponza wrote his own review and I was reading it in tears. It sounds like the shittest gym in the world, saying how he's qualified to teach MMA after years of Thai boxing champions and Krav Maga <laughs> training oh, and jujitsu jujitsu spent wrong spelled wrong and stuff like that <laughs> and how he tri- he DJs at night doesn't sleep because he was in the army and then makes fi- world class fighters during the day and it would not be unlo- it would something like it would not be strange to see himself fighting on a beach at 6 o'clock in the morning <laughs> in Ibiza and I was just like oh my god oh, I god. have to go visit that gym one day of my life Sean, what's the plans for the rest of the day? Uh, I might go out in the back and do a bit of sunbathing there. I'm just going to work later on for a while. But yeah. I just got a Snapchat off my friend. I can't get a tan working in a bar and it's looking out the coast of Kerry. Nice. There you go. Because I put up a story if there are friends with me on Snapchat. I want to go outside. It's 20 degrees here according to my Snapchat story. I've got about two and a half hours before I need to make tracks to the gym. So I'm going to go get the baby oil, Sean. <laughs> Do it. I'm, go, I'm going to go get tan. And I will 
see you oh well if you want to get in touch as always Andrew McGahan underscore on Twitter Sean Sheehan BA on Twitter like Severe MMA on Facebook maybe you're listening to this maybe you just see us everywhere on Facebook and you haven't liked us for whatever reason it's happened to a lot of people please do it likes equals prayers prayers equals children getting operations in Middle Eastern countries or something like that uh, <laughs> I'm sorry sir your child needs 500 more Facebook likes <laughs> oh, Facebook is the shittest thing in the world. You'll be, over, you'll be overtaken by a demon if you don't like this. I, yeah, I hate Facebook with a passion. It's terrible. But terrible. we need it. We all need it so much. We're addicted. Okay, Sean. I suppose until then. See you next week. <laughs>